Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hello, everyone. My name is Susie, and I will tell you what it feels like to not taste anything at all. I never thought that that was possible in real life, but it turns out that it can happen to anyone. But first things first. It happened one spring day. My older sister and I were cycling in a park not far from our house. In general, I can ride a bike very well, and apart from that, I have quite significant experience in it. I've been cycling since I was six years old, but something went wrong that day. I wanted to show my sister how skillfully I could get from the curb to the road on a bicycle, but because of the wet road, the wheels began to slip and my bike fell down along with me. I could not manage to control the movement of the bike, so I collapsed to the ground and hit my head on the curb really hard. My sister, Melody, immediately rushed to me, but I lost consciousness. I came to my senses a few days later in the hospital. My head was bandaged, and there were a lot of sensors and doctors around. My mom was also present, and when I opened my eyes, she couldn't hold back her tears. It turned out that I had quite a serious head injury, which really scared all my loved ones. That day, it seemed like the worst was over because I finally woke up, but in fact, my biggest ordeal was yet to come. My mom, being happy that I was recovering, wanted to feed me with some tasty homemade food. As soon as the doctors gave the green light for her to do it, mom rushed home to bake my favorite strawberry tart. And finally, the long-awaited piece of tart was in my hand, and I was eagerly taking a bite of it. But suddenly, I faced a terrible disappointment. I couldn't taste anything at all. Then everything was like what you'd see in a movie. My mom was sobbing a lot. Doctors were fruitlessly examining me and trying to find the reason for this. And I was crying into my pillow every night so that no one could see it. It turned out that when I fell down and got a head injury, some neural connections in my brain were damaged and I lost the sense of taste. Doctors were shrugging and saying that it would take some time and more thorough examination was required. Although, since then, a little more than a year has passed and I still can't taste anything. It makes my life unbearable and gloomy. I do not enjoy the food that I eat at all. As a result, I have a poor appetite. I lost weight and started having problems with my immune system due to the lack of vitamins. Doctors prescribe me a bunch of dietary supplements, which I always have to carry with me and take some of them on an empty stomach and others after meals. My classmates began to make fun of me because in the school cafeteria, I always had a pile of bottles with me. But then they found out that I couldn't taste anything and began to make experiments on me, adding a heap of salt or chili pepper to my food. My life began to seem dark and gloomy to me. I became more withdrawn and did not want to talk to anyone. There were days when I did not want to go to school at all, and I came up with various pretexts to stay at home. My performance worsened, although before I had always gotten good grades. In short, it seemed to me that the whole world was falling apart around me, and this was all because I had lost the sense of taste. At such moments, only reading could save me. 
I prepared a large cup of hot tea for myself, sat down by the window with a pile of books, and plunged into the unreal fantasy world to escape from my earthly problems. Yes, I did not sense the taste of tea, but it made me feel warm. Once, quite an ordinary morning began as always, with the bullying of classmates, but suddenly something happened that deeply struck me. One of my abusers, his name was Michael, suddenly began to intercede for me. Before that, Michael was absent from school for several days. Why is he protecting me? What happened? Before, he used to mock me, just like everyone else did. These questions were spinning in my mind like flies, but I couldn't find an answer to them. It even seemed to me that he had some tricky plan for me to get my guard down and then hurt me again three times harder. A week had passed since that day, and none of my classmates were bullying me any longer. I was so used to being an outcast and a loser in our class that at first it felt totally weird that no one offended me. Later, Michael came up to me and asked to go to the end of the corridor, behind the stairs, where it was possible to talk face-to-face where no one could hear us. Well, finally, I thought and followed him. Michael said that he had been absent because he had a sore throat, so he needed to take sick leave. When he was ill, he wasn't able to taste anything for several days, and during this time, he understood how horrible my condition was. He felt ashamed that he had been mocking me and realized that it was not my fault that I suffered from this ailment. He asked me to forgive him and said that he knew how to help me restore my sense of taste, but for this, he needed a little time. After this conversation, I started hoping that I would become like everyone else again. My mood improved, I began to smile more often, and I felt a desire to live. About a month passed since I had that talk with Michael, and he invited me to go behind the stairs again to have a word with me. There, he showed me a small vial with green liquid inside. When I asked what it was, he replied that it was a healing potion, which his grandma, who was a healer, prepared specially for me. Michael said that I should drink it exactly at midnight, and then immediately go to bed without talking to anyone. Although I never believed in healers, I did everything as he said. When I opened my eyes in the morning, I immediately rushed to the fridge to try something and see if I could taste anything again. The first thing I found was a watermelon. I eagerly bit off a huge chunk, but then I was disappointed because everything remained the same. At school, I told Michael that the potion had not helped me, but he comforted me and assured me that I had to wait and the effect might not occur right away. I fastened on the hope, catching it like a lifeline, and just started waiting. I believed with all my heart and soul that the sense of taste would surely return to me again. But soon a miracle happened. One of my classmates gave me candy. I took it reluctantly because I still didn't get any pleasure from it, but I didn't want to offend her. Without much enthusiasm, I unwrapped it and bit off a piece and instantly sensed the taste of milk chocolate in my mouth. I could not believe it and started eating more and more of it. Now, I don't know what helped me get my sense of taste back. This could be thanks to the potion given by the healer, my faith, or because of positive thinking. Whatever the truth, with the returning of taste to my life, it acquired fresh colors. I felt complete again. I wanted to study and achieve my goals. This situation showed me that those who we consider our enemies are not always soulless and cruel. Sometimes they're just ordinary humans who are under the thumb of others, and they do not want to stand out from the crowd. Apart from that, I realize that not every diagnosis is a verdict. How important is your taste for you? Have you ever thought about its role in our lives? Share your answers in the comments.
click the thumbs up button and subscribe to the channel to stay with us. I dashed along the hallway, then skidded to a halt in front of the classroom door. Ah, uh, I was late. Again. Miss Anderson, what's your excuse today? Morning, sir. I'm sorry, but my spaniel hit my shoes, then I tripped over a package by my front door, then my heap of a junk car wouldn't start, and... That's enough. Good God. Please sit down. Ashley already took attendance. What? So much for my perfectly crafted excuse. Mr. O'Shaughnessy totally would have let it slide, but she had to ruin it. I'm Ashley. I'm pretty. I'm perfect. Everybody likes me. Well, no one likes teacher's pets, Ashley. Think I'm being too harsh on her? <laughs> Just ask anyone about Ashley Mae Anderson. Ashley's father's a vet with a Medal of Valor. They even had dinner with the president at the White House. For her sweet 16, she rented out the swankiest club downtown for an entire weekend. And David Guetta DJed. Ashley dated two college boys at the same time, and when they found out, things got physical. Okay, okay, maybe not all of that was true, but who cares? Look, the main character here is me. Hi, my name's Ashley Mae Anderson. I know, what a freaky coincidence, right? But that's the only thing we had in common. Because unlike popular Ashley, I'm just a normal teen who's just minding her own business. But then she transferred here and messed up everything. This happens every time I open my locker. And they're not addressed to me, but to Ashley. Jeez, why do boys go so cuckoo bananas over that pretentious princess? I gathered that whole cluster and dumped them on Ashley's desk. Here's your delivery for the day. Oh, I have no use for those things. You can keep them if you want. <laughs> how snobby. I know those rumors weren't all lies. Alright, if you said so. Being mistaken for Ashley was so annoying that I did consider putting a sign on my locker or something. But I suppose sometimes it actually had its perks. Like when I accidentally knocked over a trash can in the school's parking lot. But upon knowing my name, the janitor said my father was his commanding officer back in the day and let me off. And believe it or not, these mix-ups didn't only happen at school. Once, my family went out for dinner and the staff at this restaurant thought we were the other Andersons. They must be some really important people cause the super attentive waiters topped up our drinks for free and gave us complimentary desserts. Pretty sweet, right? Only when we were leaving, things almost went south when the manager shook my dad's hand and said, Thank you for your service. My dad seemed confused, but fortunately, I dragged him away before they busted us. I mean, Ashley's been enjoying these privileges her entire life, so it's fair I benefit a little from them. Especially since I have to endure being called her Walmart version. Anyway, back to me. I arrived home to find a teary-eyed girl sitting on her front porch. She must be one of Billy's exes. If your brother's a jock that all girls flock around, you'd get used to this real soon. He went through girlfriends quicker than hair gel, and he always had some peeves about them, like Mandy, too clingy, Katie, too dramatic, Maggie, too flirty. The list goes on. Then, as soon as my backpack hit the bedroom floor, my door burst open. Hey, I need your help. What? Need a hand to make up with Cry Barbie out there? She's ancient history. Check this out. Her name's Jane Brown. Ain't she a beaut? I immediately recognized her. She's the waitress that he kept eyeing the other day. 
Now, he needed my help to ask her out and not seem creepy. So, I suggested taking her to his friend Alexander's party this weekend. How do you know about that? Isn't that cool people exclusive? As if I wanted to. I was added to their group chat by accident because they thought I was Ashley. <laughs> right. Hot Ashley. You should come too. I'll be with Jane, but Victor will be there. Wait, I'll see my crush at that stupid party? Sign me up then! Jocks, cheerleaders, stuck-up kids. This place was packed with people like Billy. My brother briefly introduced me to the host Alexander, while Madison followed him around looking all shy and gooey-eyed. Wasn't she bothered that all Alexander seemed to care about was if anyone had seen Ashley? I also got to officially meet Jane, but the person I was looking for was Victor. He's so much more than just a cute face in the crowd. He's the peanut butter to my jelly. But before I could talk to him, a bunch of dudes popped out of nowhere. This is Ashley? Oh man, I thought she was supposed to be pretty. No offense though. She's a six if you squint hard enough. <laughs> <laughs> I'm squinting now and you're barely even a two yourself. No offense though. What, what did, did you, you say? say? <laughs> Don't worry, you could still go after pretty girls. They just need a crate of fear first. The crowd suddenly felt silent and stared at us. This party is so lame. Peace out, losers. Anywhere is better than that stuffy elitist hellhole. But it's a bummer I didn't get to talk to Victor. He's Billy's best bro and used to come hang out at our place pretty much every day. But not anymore. Guess he's been avoiding me ever since I told him I had feelings for him. <sighs> I was going to settle things with him tonight, but those jerks ruined it. Do I need to print my own t-shirt saying, I'm Ashley, you must be looking for Ashley? The next day, while looking for Victor, I heard someone calling my name. But I turned around only to see Alexander calling for, ugh, Ashley. So annoying. I saw him make a move on her, but she said guys like him bored her, then proceeded to list all his flaws. Oof, harsh. From then on, I tried my best to avoid Ashley, and thought my life would be light and breezy. But nope. On the contrary, I found myself in a series of unfortunate events. One day, a stack of religious magazines randomly showed up on our doorstep. But the real kicker was, they were all addressed specifically to me! And there was absolutely no way to convince my family and neighbors that I wasn't a member of the Church of Scientology. Two days later, all of my clean clothes had some weird stains and holes on them. I had to beg Billy to lend me some of his. That day, I went to school in an old jersey, looking like a midget. <sighs> then, this Monday, I became the center of attention by showing up with my face covered in pimple patches and band-aids. Well, that's because I woke up to countless cystic acne and didn't have enough patches. This resulted in me being called the mummy for five days straight. But the final straw was my car having two flat tires! The clock was ticking, so I asked Billy to take me to school. However, he just flat out refused, saying he'd already promised to pick Jane up. No other choice, I had to ride my old bike. When I saw Billy's car in the driveway, my pettiness got the better of me, so I splashed my half-empty milk carton over the windshield. I'm on my way. Oh my god, you little brat! Sorry, babe, you won't believe what my sister just did. Seeing Billy's reaction was chef's kiss. <laughs> you got it coming, big bro. The next day, my car was fixed, so I managed to get to school early. Looks like my string of bad luck was finally over. 
Okay, let's see who wants to confess to Queen Ashley today. From... Victor? Oh no, why him? I stood there, frozen with a letter in my hand, still processing the situation when a friend came and showed me something on her phone. It's a video of me singing and dancing in my room! No one's supposed to see this, ever! It had been uploaded by some throwaway account, but who else could it be but... Jesus Christ! Billy! I rushed home to see Billy and Jane cuddling in the living room. How's he still so calm after pulling that on me? I confronted him, and he didn't even bother denying it, and even said that's what I deserved for vandalizing his car. We screamed and shouted at each other, but before we ended up in a fistfight, he stopped and stumped off to his room. I was still fuming, glaring at his shadow, and I saw Jane gawping at me in delight. Don't blame your poor brother too much, dear. It was I who pulled the strings. What? Jane? But why? We'd barely even interacted. Then she went on about all of my mishaps lately were her doings. Yep, my so-called bad luck, it had been Jane all along. That's for stealing Alexander from my sister. He's her first love. Do you know how heartbroken Zoe has been? Wait, Zoe who? And why on earth would I choose to mingle with that playboy Alex? Kudos to this girl for thinking I could ever steal someone's boyfriend. Hello, I'm still struggling with my lifelong crush over here. I tried to tell her she made a mistake, but she wouldn't listen. Stop denying it. I know it's you. You're East High's Ashley with a vet dad. That checked all the boxes already. Hold up. There's another Ashley Mae Anderson in our school. She's Ashley with EY. I'm Ashley, E-I-G-H. Her dad is a war veteran. My father is a veterinarian. Oh, snap. Good lord. She devised this intricate plan, approached Billy just to make it work, and was successful for the most part. Well, apart from having the wrong person. Just amazing. Jane apologized and promised to take down the video. However, she wanted me to help her take revenge on Ashley in return. I didn't want to get involved, but I also never wanted to be on her bad side again, so I reluctantly agreed. But if you think about it, Jane's story didn't quite add up. Ashley seemed to have a holier-than-thou attitude and had dozens of admirers waiting in line. Why would she get in between them? Not to mention, Alexander's a notorious player who Ashley already ruthlessly rejected. I believe there's more to this. As expected, thanks to that video, my school life was now even more awkward than usual. But it didn't matter, as I was too preoccupied with Operation Ashley. Today's mission? Approach her after cheerleading practice. I stood in the corner, behind the bleacher, waiting for my chance. But before I showed myself, I saw Madison march over, say something to Ashley, then storm off. After that, Ashley started… sobbing? I didn't know what happened, but I felt bad for her. So I tried comforting her, but she kept brushing me off. Look, you can keep the Ice Queen act all you want, but I know you have feelings too. I thought you might have something else you want to share with me, not just the name. And it was like I pulled a lever that let out all of her bottled-up emotions, and we had a heart-to-heart -heart all afternoon. Just as I thought, things weren't what they seemed. We'd better talk this through with one another. So I set up a meeting at a cafe in the South Coast Plaza, as they wouldn't dare to cause a scene in public, right? Anyway, Ashley clarified that Alexander and her weren't a thing, while assuring Zoe that she deserved a guy much better than him. 
but Alex was really sweet to me. He gave me this present on our one-month anniversary. Did he say it's his grandmother's? Yeah, he tried giving me an identical one on my birthday. I'd say you dodged a bullet when you two broke up. Please, look at yourself first. You two flirt with boys left and right and still act all high and mighty. Get off that high horse. Ashley seemed genuinely hurt by Jane's words that it took her a while to speak up. I'm just sick and tired of being the popular girl who has to live up to everyone's expectations. It's too exhausting. I thought transferring here would mean a fresh start, but everyone still has this impression of me which I can't seem to change. The rest of us looked at each other in confusion when we saw how sad Ashley's situation actually was. We didn't know there were so many downsides to being high school popular. Ashley, you know you can just be yourself, right? The world will have to accept you for who you truly are. If people don't like you, then so be it. Yeah, if they don't, that's their problem, not yours. You can't fit into a mold to please everyone, because there's no such thing. I don't want to agree with her, but she has a point. Let the whole world know the real Ashley, and you too, Zoe. Someday, you'll find a good guy who loves you for yourself. Alright girls, that's settled. Now, I have to deal with my own mess. Billy found out the truth and now he's been ghosting me. But I swear to god, I'm in love with this guy. Gotta go, bye! I couldn't believe I was rooting for my saboteur and her accomplice to be together. But here I was. Go get him, tiger! The next Monday, Ashley walked to class and had lunch with me instead of Madison and her clique. And, of course, this didn't go unnoticed. You left us for her? What is she? You're not hot, sister? <laughs> Before I could clap back, Ashley stood up and unleashed her inner sass. This is me living my life as my true self. If any of you bootlickers have something to say about that, you can shove it where the sun won't shine. Sweet Mary Jesus and Holy Spirits! Who knew she had it in her? Her words completely decimated those hyenas. And suddenly, someone grabbed my wrist. Victor? Slow down! Where are you taking me? Besides, you got the wrong person, and also the wrong address for this. You should give it to her yourself. Actually, I sent it to the right girl, but apparently, she still hasn't opened it. Wait... What? And you're right, I should tell her myself. It's just that Billy and I made a deal that sisters are off-limits, so I thought it's better to avoid you. But hearing Ashley talk about being herself made me realize that I'm sick of hiding my feelings. I'm gonna make Billy see how sincere I am for you. Before I do that, Ashley, I like you, and um... Will you go on a date with me? Yes! Um, I mean, yeah, I suppose that would be cool. This is beyond my wildest dream! Not only do I have a brand new friend, but also a date with my dream guy! Fortune is finally smiling on me. <laughs>
I felt like it was meant to be. He invited me for a drink in the cafe nearby, and we instantly hit it off. We started dating, and now we're an official couple. There's just one thing that worries me. Ethan is recently divorced and has a 10-year-old daughter, Clarice, who he has full-time. While daydreaming, I couldn't hide away from the thought of being someone's stepmom. Oh my, I didn't want to become a mom yet. Don't worry, Clarice is a cute kid. I just know you two will get along. Clarice gave me a devious smile the moment she saw me. Another fish got hooked. Huh? Hey, that's not the right manner. Apologize, now! Ethan immediately said. Clarice let out a loud, Ugh! then reluctantly apologized. Great! When has it ever been easy to be friends with a naughty ten-year-old girl? I understand this better than most, as I have a little sister. She's either giving me a headache or crazing at me for candy, and I could tell that Clarice was going to be no different. <sighs> One day, Ethan called me in a panic, saying he had an urgent business trip. They informed me at the very last minute. I didn't have time to find a babysitter. Can you help me take care of Clarice for a few days? What? I've only just met the girl and now I have to mind her for a few days? I still didn't know what to say when Ethan continued. I'll make it up to you after this. And then, the next thing I knew, Clarice was at my front door. Oh gosh, somebody help me! Well, you know those girls that age, like my little sister? I kept pouring out while Mike just smiled and slightly shook his head. I have to make her like me to win over Ethan. So, lovely Mike, can you please come hang out with us? Seriously? Please? Aren't you good with the ladies? Fine. You know I can't say no to you. I took Clarice to a theme park. She frowned the moment she saw Mike. Um, who's this? I don't like strangers. I smiled and said, this is Mike. He's really cool and I don't care. Cindy, what kind of situation did you drag me into? Man, I had to ask myself that question. This wasn't what I envisioned it to be. The outing turned into a competition between them. Clarice challenged Mike to play game after game with her until she won. In the end, they played with the water guns and I knew for sure Mike let her win. But as soon as he let go of his water gun, Clarice squirted water all over him, leaving him completely drenched. Oops. What on earth is this? That's the price for the loser. <laughs> okay, Cindy, that's enough. Have fun. And he stormed off. Oh no, what have I done to him? I stood there dumbfounded, staring at Clarice. Okay, so it was kind of funny, but... I couldn't laugh at my poor friend. I want ice cream. Clarice grinned, then skipped away. Hmm, ice cream. A girl after my own heart. On the way home, we talked so much about her fave show, The Babysitter's Club, and how Stacy is her favorite character. Hmm, maybe the day wasn't so bad after all. A few days later, Ethan returned, and I was really excited to see him. Thank you so much for taking care of Clarice. Meanwhile, I noticed Clarice was slowly backing out, with an awkward look on her face. I thought she'd be as happy as me to see him, but it didn't seem that way. Darling, are you okay? Are you sick? 
I... I'm okay. I need to go to my room. After that, at dinner, the question, are you sick, was raised no less than ten times, and it made me feel sick too. I said I'm not sick, and I don't want to see a doctor. Ethan, I think Clarice is fine, so maybe stop asking her. Hearing that, Ethan seemed uncomfortable and turned away. Weird. What was wrong with them? Maybe this was just something they did. Hmm. Whatever it is, I wasn't enjoying this heavy atmosphere. The next day after lunch, Clarice was helping me clean the table while Ethan was packing to go on his next trip. She insisted on washing the dishes while I said goodbye to Ethan. We were hugging in the doorway when suddenly I heard a loud scream coming from the kitchen. Ethan and I both rushed in there and saw Clarice crying as she gripped her hand. Ethan frantically asked, What happened? while I quickly searched for a first aid kit. I was washing the dishes, but I accidentally cut my hand. Cindy, I'm sorry. I wasn't being careful. Please don't punish me. What? What was she talking about? Ethan seemed to have the same question as me. Cindy always makes me do the chores. She told me if I do them badly, I can't have dinner. Huh? Why was she saying things that weren't true? Turning pale with shock, I muttered out, No, that's not true. I, I don't want to stay here. Dad, let me go home. Clarice interrupted me as she was crying harder. I'm so sorry, but I have to go now. I don't even know if you're lying or not. How can you say that to me? Clarice shouted. You monster! Then she ran upstairs. I stood there not knowing what to do. My brain couldn't process what just happened. Ethan looked at me and sighed. Why didn't he say anything? He didn't honestly think I was capable of doing that. Did he? I decided I needed to confront Clarice about this. So I went up to her room and calmly said, Clarice, why did you say that? You forced me to do all the chores. What? How can you lie like that? I never do such a thing. Oh, but are people going to believe you or a poor little girl? Oh, my God. There was me, thinking she was a sweet kid, when in actual fact, she was the complete opposite. I rushed outside and, shaking, I pulled my phone out. I called Mike and told him everything. Oh boy, that kid is complicated. Maybe she doesn't want you to be with her dad. But even so, what she did was weird. I think you should stay away from them. But how to? I couldn't just run away. Besides, Ethan was on his trip, again, and I was in charge of her. So I kept my distance, no more talking or having fun. But it seemed that Clarice had other ideas. I was watching TV in the living room when Clarice appeared and pulled my shirt. Cindy, I want you to play video games with me. The more silent I was the harder she pulled. No, Clarice, I'm not in the mood. I shouted, go play by yourself. Then I walked off. A few minutes later, Cass, a senior student, came over to give me some documents. We sat down and had some iced tea. Then suddenly, bam, and a cry. Oh no. Cass and I rushed to the noise. Clarice had fallen down the stairs in the basement 
and was surrounded by the laundry basket and dirty clothes. Cass quickly ran down there and helped her up. Are you okay? What happened? Cindy told me to do the laundry in time. The basket was so full, so I slipped. No, no, no! I screamed inside my head when Cass gave me a concerned look. Cass, please, I'll explain later. Can you please leave? Why? I screamed at Clarice's face the moment Cass left. If you don't play with me, you'll be a child abuser. You'll have to go to jail. Ugh, this is driving me crazy. Just a few days ago, she wanted her dad to take her away from here, and now she's blackmailing me for not playing with her? Right at that moment, Ethan called. Hi, Cindy. I just want to check on you two. Is Clarice sick or anything? Ugh, what on earth is this? Am I crazy? Or are these two actually weird? OMG. I need Mike. Now. Please, take me away from here. I said as I opened the door for Mike. Stop! Clarice shouted. You two can't go anywhere. Oh, now you're telling me what not to do? If you go, I'll tell the whole world how badly you've been treating me. You'll both go to jail. So that's your scam? Her smirk disappeared. She turned pale and stuttered. N no, it, it was my dad's. Your dad's scam? Clarice looked flustered as she realized what she had just blurted out. Then she quickly covered it up. Nothing! Mike sat down and looked at her with stern eyes. I stood there, waiting for the answer. I... Um... My daddy made me! Eventually, Clarice confessed. Turns out, Ethan was a professional scammer who scams young, wealthy girls into giving him money. Worse, he dragged his daughter into his scheme. The plan went like this. He used his handsome looks to flirt with the girls, then Clarice's cuteness to get the girls' empathy. After that, he would go on some last-minute business trip and ask them to take care of Clarice. Meanwhile, Clarice would pretend to be seriously sick. When Ethan arrived back, he would persuade the girls to hand over money for hospital fees, then he and Clarice would disappear out of their lives. At first he told me to do what he said and he'd get me a bike. What about the abusing lie you made up? I asked, still shocked. I made up that excuse so Dad would take me away. I really like you, so I don't want his plan to work. Then why did you continue to act up? Because Cindy was mad at me, and I wanted her to play with me, so I pulled that trick again. Tears streamed down my face. Unbelievable! I voluntarily stepped into his trap right at the beginning. He didn't even have to do much. I felt like such an idiot. After that, we exposed Ethan. Clarice helped us, too. Turns out, he's bankrupt, which is why his wife left him and why he's no longer my dad's business partner. Ethan was arrested, but Clarice's mom was out of the country, and she refused to return for her daughter. To be honest, I love Clarice, and I didn't want her to live in the orphanage. So I let her live at my place for a while before I told my parents everything. Obviously, my parents have more capacity and power to deal with this. It took a while for Clarice to get over her guilt and settle in, but now we get on better than ever. 
She's a sweet, cute girl who deserves far better than her parents have given her. Then one day, I came back home from college to find Clarice placing some roses on the dining table, which was already romantically set up with candles and steak. Cindy, you're back! How can you prepare a full dinner like this? Clarice didn't say anything. She just giggled and ran to her room. Someone hugged me from behind. Would you mind being my date tonight? It was Mike. Thinking about it, I guess my perfect man was right under my nose this entire time. So, grinning, I turned around and replied, I thought you'd never ask. Share this podcast to all social media, TikTok, Instagram, Facebook and so on and you'll be given a shout out. Also drop your social media username so that we can find you. Thanks for your support. Make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel by clicking the link in this episode description. You should also please follow or subscribe to our other podcast My Animated Story by clicking on this episode description. And also, kindly please rate and review this podcast by... One evening, as always, I was returning from college. My favorite music was playing in my headphones. Suddenly, my head began to ring so much that I lost my orientation in space. I grabbed my head, my legs began to shake, and everything went black. I fell on the ground and apparently passed out. When I woke up, I was already in the hospital. There was no one around me, which was strange. The doctors were not guarding me at my bed and and reacted to my seizure calmly for one reason. Thanks to the medical card, which I was always carrying with me, they had already been aware of my disease. This disease is quite rare, and because of it, I might lose consciousness a couple of times a month, sometimes even more often, just like that day. In other words, I'm used to waking up in hospitals. Living with this illness is very difficult. For example, I might get hurt if I fall. There were times when I woke up without my belongings and my phone. Someone had stolen them. I also never go out during winter because I'm afraid of losing consciousness and freezing to death. Ah, in general, it sucks. The doctors at the hospital patched me up and told me to be more careful in the future. Yes, I would gladly do so, but how? I was already leaving the hospital when one of the doctors ran up to me. He handed me a business card and told me to call the phone number on it. According to him, in this place, I could be helped with my disease. Since the disease did not allow me to live a normal life, I firmly decided to call the indicated number as soon as I returned home. But before calling, I decided to look for information about this place on the internet. Strangely, my query didn't return any results. I was already beginning to doubt whether it was worth messing with these guys. Lost in thought, I looked out the window. Little, beautiful snowflakes were falling outside the window. Winter was just around the corner. I loved and hated winter at the same time. My illness did not give me a chance to enjoy this time of year. And it was precisely the unwillingness to be locked up for several months that made me, nevertheless, dial the number indicated on the business card. A stern voice in the receiver told me the address and the next day I went there. The building was located on the outskirts of the city, far from my house, and it was very inconvenient to get there. I even walked a couple of kilometers on foot. Approaching the large iron gate, I saw the guards. They asked me to introduce myself and inform who was waiting for me. They found my name on the list and finally let me in. The place looked more like a prison and not like an innovative scientific center specialized in incurable diseases. I decided that perhaps their treatment methods were so unique that they should be kept in the utmost security. 
The scene inside the building cleared up all my doubts. I saw dozens of people in white coats and some kind of mysterious equipment. The same doctor from the hospital came up to me. He praised me for my courage and trust in them and promised that from that moment, my life would change. He seemed very nice. Dr. Archer, that was his name, brought me to the other patients. It seemed that there were about 50 of them. The same as me, each of them suffered from some serious illness and dreamed of being free from it. The doctor spoke into the microphone and everyone present heard his voice coming from the speakers. He said that the medicine we would be taking was experimental. This did not exclude side effects. He paused, obviously expecting a reaction from us. Side effects? Well, that's something new. The patients in the room began talking loudly. Someone headed towards the exit. I decided to stay. I no longer wanted to be hostage to my own disease. There were only seven volunteers left. Archer brought us some papers that needed to be signed. I read the text, and there was nothing suspicious about it, just a standard remission of claim. I calmly put my signature down. The doctor explained that for the next few days, we would be undergoing various tests and have some samples taken. This would help to understand whether the medication would be effective in our case. He invited us to go to our rooms. I did not expect that I would have to stay here for a long time. However, when I saw the room, I was pleasantly surprised. All doubts were cleared up. It was excellent. For the next few days, various professors and scientists took blood from us and for some reason asked us to take tests to identify the level of our intelligence. We were even put in some sort of centrifuge, similar to the one in which astronauts train. It was almost the same, only slightly smaller. I was hoping that the overloads for us would also not be so serious. One morning, Dr. Archer knocked on my room. He said that there was news for me and the other patients and asked to follow him. Archer gathered all the remaining volunteers and said that unfortunately, not all of us had passed the test, only two out of seven people. He opened the folder and read the names. The first name he announced was a young guy with whom I had already made friends, Peter Green. He came here because of his heart problems. At this point, I already began to worry. After all these endless tests, I really didn't want to go home with nothing. Dr. Archer adjusted his glasses and suddenly said my name, Julia Thatcher. I took a step forward, barely restraining the urge to rush to the doctor and hug him, but I managed to cope with my emotions. The doctor explained that we would be staying, and the other volunteers had to leave. People started protesting because they also wanted to get this wonder medicine. But then the guards entered the room. Seeing them, the volunteers reluctantly began to leave the premises. There were three of us left. The doctor took us to another room. He assured us by explaining that they had to send away those people because the medicine could have caused severe side effects on them. But our test results showed that the risk of getting a side effect was only 1%. After these words, we sighed with relief. The doctor opened some safe. I saw many mysterious test tubes and two syringes filled with some kind of glowing green liquid. Archer said that now all our sufferings would come to an end. We approached the doctor. He gave injections to Peter and me by slowly inserting the vaccine. When he started injecting me with this green liquid, I felt an intolerable itch in my eyes, as if soap had gotten into them. Peter, on the other hand, was acting strange. His look became somehow wild, and he suddenly rushed at the doctor. Luckily, the guards came up in time and Peter was taken out of the office. Doctors said that all of these effects were temporary and recommended that I go to my room to rest and recover strength. I did as I was told. However, one of the guards, for some reason, walked me all the way to the room and locked the door with a key as soon as I got inside. 
Dr. Archer came to see me again in the evening. I complained to him that I was not feeling well and said that I wanted to go home. The doctor was no longer as friendly as he had been. He did not comment on my words in any way and instead began to ask me questions. Archer asked how my eyes were. I replied that they seemed to be burning. The doctor smiled and suddenly his face changed. He jumped up from the chair and started insulting and threatening me. He said that I was just a laboratory rat and would never get out of here again. I was shocked. Finally, I realized how stupid I had been to voluntarily arrive at this evil clinic. Fear, anger, and resentment were so strong that I could not help bursting into tears. But the doctor, seeing me cry, started laughing. Several salty drops fell on the floor. I noticed that they were greenish in color and suddenly burned through the floor. They seemed to be very poisonous. Archer was clearly pleased with what he saw. Without a word, he left the room. I noticed that he had come to me on his own. There was no guard at the door. Several questions bothered me. What happened to me? Why were my tears burning my eyes and literally burning everything around? And was it true that I would not leave the walls of this strange place ever again? My head was aching unbearably. There was no strength left in me. I tried to sleep. When I woke up in the morning, I decided to leave the room and found out that the door was locked. In a panic, I started banging on it with my fists. The door flew open and there was Dr. Archer with two guards standing in the doorway. Mad with anger, I rushed to the doctor with my fists, but one of the guards pushed me away. You're a liar, I shouted. Where is the lie here? The doctor asked with a smile. He showed me the documents in his hands. It was the agreement where I put my signature not so long ago. Here is your consent to conduct experiments. Conditions have been met. The medicine worked. You no longer have to be afraid of suddenly passing out. But I must confess I have cheated a little. He added, grinning. I left you with Peter. Not because you were the only ones with minimal risk of side effects, but because the medicine was supposed to affect you in a special way. Your side effects are very unusual and would be very useful for our organization. Your tears contain the strongest poison. For you, this poison is safe, but for others, it is deadly. This poison is the newest, most sophisticated chemical weapon, and its traces cannot be found. The doctor said that Peter also showed some abilities, but they were absolutely useless for the organization. I was shocked by what I had heard. All I wanted was just to be cured of my disease. I don't want to kill anyone. You'll have to cry a little. The doctor handed me an empty test tube and nodded to the guards to make me fulfill his assignment. But their help was not necessary. I was very frightened, hurt, and unbearably homesick. Tears literally gushed out of my eyes. Surprisingly, the poison did not corrode the walls of the flask. Apparently, it was made of a special material. Seeing that I was obediently collecting my tears into it, the doctor and his guards departed. I was crying and filling the flask with my tears. Tears kept dripping and dripping until the container was filled to the brim. At first, I still had a glimmer of hope that everything that was happening was just a nightmare and I would soon wake up, but time was passing and nothing was changing. The doctor continued to threaten me and demanded more and more test tubes to be filled with poisonous tears. I no longer knew how long I had been within the walls of this terrible laboratory and just dreamed of getting out. But how to do that? The answer came suddenly at the very moment when I was handing over another flask filled with tears. 
Here it was, my ticket to freedom. I decided to run away. Choosing the moment when the flask with the poison had not yet been taken from me. Sneaking up to the door, I looked through the keyhole. There was no guard. It seemed that someone did not take his job very seriously. I poured some of the poisonous liquid into the keyhole. A hissing sound came from inside, and very soon a small hole was gaping in the door. I pushed the door and found myself in the corridor. No one from the employees was there, just a lot of closed doors to the right and left. Some of them were made of glass, and behind them I could make out empty rooms with gray walls. They were all empty, except for one. I stopped and looked closely. Huddled in a corner, there was Peter sitting on the floor. I knocked on the door. Peter heard it, jumped to his feet, rushed to the door and began pounding on it. I did not know what they had done to him, but he behaved like an animal and looked accordingly. I gestured to him to be quiet, but he continued pounding. He didn't seem to recognize me at all. I swear I wanted to free him, but then a siren went off in the hallway. I heard the approaching footsteps and shouts of the guards. I could not risk that. I could get caught. Looking into Peter's empty eyes, I realized that there was nothing left of my friend. I had to leave him. The guards were already close. I had to hide somewhere, so I ran down the corridor. Suddenly, I saw garbage cans and a garbage chute next to them. With nothing left to do, I jumped into it and slid down the dark pipe until I fell on the bags. As I jumped, I was still holding the flask with the remains of the poison in my hand. But after falling, I dropped it. I tried to find it among the bags, but it was useless. There was no time for a search. I had to get out. I moved forward, gropingly, not knowing where I was going. Suddenly, I bumped into the grate. I tried to squeeze between the bars, but I couldn't. That was it. My escape was over. I was heartbroken. I remembered everything that I had to go through and the empty eyes of Peter behind the glass door. Covering my face with my hands, I burst into tears. Tears were burning my palms. And suddenly it struck me. Tears? Well, of course. I put my hands, wet with tears, on the bars of the grate. The metal hissed as tears began to eat away at it. I managed to burn out a small hole in the bars. I was able to squeeze through it, but the guards would never have been able to do so. To my great happiness, I soon found myself on the street. Freedom! Finally! I looked around and suddenly noticed the road. Cars were driving past every now and then. One of them immediately stopped when the driver saw me. I explained to him that I had gotten lost and really wanted to go home. He asked where to take me. I thought that I could not go home. They would be looking for me there in the first turn. So I asked the driver where he was going, and hearing the direction said that I needed there as well. I was hoping that the magical medication would help me to cope with my disease, and now I would have to hide for the rest of my days, fearing that the employees of the mysterious organization would find me. I'm sure that they are still looking for me. It's really scary. Scary that my abilities can be used to harm other people. Where can I ask for help? Maybe some kind of institution? Share this podcast to all social media, TikTok, Instagram, Facebook and so on and you'll be given a shout out. Also drop your social media username so that we can find you. Thanks for your support. Make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel by clicking the link in this episode description. You should also please follow or subscribe to our other podcast My Animated Story by clicking on this episode description. And also, kindly please rate and review this podcast by... Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. 
Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.